Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hey guys, before we get into the episode, a little information up front. Um, I'm very sorry. I have my first cold of the year, possibly the last two years. I'm not sure. Hopefully... It isn't uh, too nasally for you guys. The this, the interviews I recorded before I had a, a cold. So, and speaking of, we have an interview with Scott from the band Cerebus. And if you don't know this band, they were an amazing band back in the 80s that most of us overlooked. I didn't know about them at the time. I'm glad I know about them now. Great stuff. If you like Maiden, if you like Queensryche, um, they're going to be right up your, your alley. And I'm I'm hesitant to say those two bands because they don't really sound like either one of those bands, although I could see fans of those two bands digging these guys. Great stuff. So stay tuned for an interview with Scott, the vocalist of Cerebus, and some music by Cerebus. And then after that, my friend Carl Alvarez is back, and we uh, talk about our heavy metal memories, more heavy metal memories from Mark and Carl so definitely stay tuned for that and a little business to take care of before we get into the episode um first order of business is i need to go blow my nose because it's uh, it's a wreck and the um i'm gonna hit pause <laughs> and then we're gonna come back and uh deliver some more um business info for you guys if you guys can do me a favor with this stuff i'd appreciate it go do this survey all right here we go Listen, we, we would love to have some great advertisers here to support what we do on Talking Metal. But, uh, you know, in order to do that, we're going to need your help. So listen, do me a favor and go to podsurvey.com slash metal. I'm going to have that linked through the show notes. It's P-O-D-S-U-R-V-E-Y dot com slash metal. Take a look. There's an anonymous survey, and it's going to help us get started with some advertisers or get back with some advertisers, I should say. Um, If you take this survey, it can show advertisers just how great you guys are. Even if you've taken one of these podcast surveys before, we need you to do it again for for our show, which is podsurvey.com slash metal. And uh, yeah, again... If you've done one in the past, I you know that's great for whatever show you were supporting, but could please do it for our show. I'd really appreciate that. And the cool thing is that once you've completed the survey, you can enter to win a $100 Amazon gift card. And this is real. They will send this out to you guys. It's not a scam. A lot of there are a lot of winners, so there is a chance you could win this $100 Amazon gift card. 
Again, that's podsurvey.com slash metal. P-O-D-S-U-R-V-E-Y dot com slash M-E-T-A-L. Thanks for your help, guys. We really appreciate it. And now, let's get into the show. We have some great guests. Carl Alvarez is back sharing heavy metal memories with me. And also, a, a great band. If you don't know these guys, this band is great. Cerebus. And we're going to be talking with Scott, their singer. They were kind of an underground metal band from the 1980s. And they put out just some great material back then that we're going to listen to. Uh, I know you guys are going to like it. And we have a brief interview with Scott from the band. They're back together after many years. And they're going to be reissuing some of the classic stuff, which you will hear on today's episode. So, all right, guys. Thanks. And, yeah, thanks for doing the survey. I really appreciate the support. got Scott Board, Cerebus, and Carl Alvarez from the Inside Metal Documentary Series on the show today. Yeah. Sorry about that uh, that intro, you know how it is. Uh, trying to beef things up. There's a lot of stuff going on. Trying to get some advertisers. Trying to break even doing this show instead of losing money on it every month. So... If you could take the survey, that would be great. There's other ways you can support. You can use our Amazon links on TalkingMetal.com. You can do a PayPal donation. If we ever do get an advertiser back on the show, you can support the advertiser. Currently, no advertisers on this particular episode. And uh, having said that, let's get into some Cerebus music. And then hear from Scott from Cerebus. Okay, guys, this is going way back to the 80s here. Distant Eyes. The band is C-E-R-E-B-U-S. We'll have them linked through today's show notes. Again, this is Distant Eyes. Now we're going to talk with uh, Scott from Cerebus.
Hey, it's Mark Striegel of Talking Metal and calling in on the line from the band Cerebus. We have Scott Board. How are you, Scott? Doing good, man. Thank you for having me. So I wanted to get into your your history with the band and talk about all that history because there's a lot of it. But I guess let's talk about what's going on right now. The band, after what appears to be, from from my research, a long break, is getting back together, and there is even at least one show booked, I believe, in in Chicago. So let's... uh, This is is true, yeah. So is it just the one show right now that's booked? Uh, Yeah, for right now, it it is. Uh, There is uh, some interest in other festivals and um, maybe some other uh, regional dates as well for the band you know some uh some uh maybe hook up with some other um good metal acts and and do some shows uh but yeah right now uh the legions of metal festival in chicago may 20th is our first uh official gig back together and yeah it has been a long uh hiatus for the band service however um eric Eric Burgess, the bass player, and uh, Chris Pinnell, our uh, uh, our uh, guitar player, who we lost back in 2010. We we've we've actually played a lot of music since Service uh, throughout the 90s and everything too. Okay. So we've uh, we have we have been playing and 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 in contact and everything like that, and actually writing music together throughout that that time period on, on and off. But uh, yeah, ever since. Um, Really, uh, Jeremy uh, Golden at uh, Heaven and Hell Records is uh, pretty instrumental uh, in this reunion, and uh, he's been urging me to uh, to try to uh, get in touch with the guys and, and talk to them about it for a while, and I was very surprised when I talked with Eric that, that he was interested uh, in all of it, and especially uh, possibly doing live shows, and from there, uh, we we signed on immediately to do the Legions of Metal thing up in Chicago, and cool. so we're really excited about doing that. And uh, some really uh, some really good bands are going to be on that, and uh, some North Carolina acts as well. And so we're really uh, excited to be representing on that, and and to be back as well. It's been a long long time, and from service. Yeah, so Cerebus is from the North Carolina area, and are you still yeah. all located down in that area? Yes, we are. Right, okay. We sure are. And you mentioned you mentioned Eric, who is the bassist of the band, and you're you're the the vocalist. And you said that right. Eric, you were surprised that Eric wanted to do to do this. Yeah, and, well, and, well, everybody has been uh, you know kind of in hiatus and not been really. Uh, playing music live or, or doing anything for, for quite a while now, you know, 10, 15 years, most, most of the guys, um, other careers and everything is, and family, uh, obligations, you know, have come into sure. play and everything. And, um, actually, you know, you know, when we lost Chris back in, in 2010, that was, that was a real, um, uh, took the wind out of, of, of the Cerebus sales, for, so to speak, for sure. And, uh, you know, it was really hard for everybody to really uh, get uh, wrap their head around uh, playing together again, you know, without Chris, and I, I certainly understand that. Right. Um, but, um, yeah, uh, we, we're, uh, we're actually uh, in, in rehearsals and everything now for, cool. for, for the... Um, 
for the uh, the shows coming up and everything. And and like I say, hopefully we can do more than just just the one thing right now. We're just uh, we're concentrating on uh, really kicking ass for that performance, and um, um, probably we'll be concentrating on the just the too late to pray stuff too. Cool. When we, when we do come out for right now, at least. Excellent. And uh, but we're really, really excited and really just um, very fortunate and 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 um, and very grateful to have the opportunity to 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 come back out. With, you know, with the with the new re-releases that Jeremy's doing over at Heaven and Hell Records um, of all the the, the um, classic okay. service catalog, all three albums. Uh, actually, there are, there are two EPs and and one full album that we right. did too late okay. to pray. Okay, so just to to, to he's going to be releasing yeah. the full length kind of classic record mm-hmm. that a lot of the underground metal fans know, which is from 1986, Too Late to Pray. Right. Uh, but then right. he's also going to be. You had other demos and and as you mentioned, EPs. So some of that stuff, I, that other stuff, will also be re released. Absolutely, all of it, all of Ooh. it will, and and uh, remastered off off. Off the best sources and everything, and also with with a whole bunch of really cool uh, new artwork, as well as uh, never before seen photos that uh, that we've uncovered. There's going to be a a bio on 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 all the stuff, you Sweet. know, sort of a documentary of, of of everything that I'm that I'm uh, putting together right now for that, and. Um, it's going to be a really, really cool package, and it's also going to include. We're really excited for this. Eric and I are especially uh, in memoriam to Chris. Uh, there's a, a full-length uh, eight-song demo that we did as um, as the members of Cerebus, myself, uh, Eric on bass, Chris on guitar, and Andy, our other guitar player, was actually playing drums oh, on wow. some of this stuff wow. as well as I did. And he also played some guitar on there as well, and it's and it's a really cool um, addition to the regression progression um, end of the of the package that that's coming out, and it's the something more cool. quote unquote uh, end uh, of the package there, and we're really excited for for people to hear that because um, Chris Chris would have really loved that that's that that's being put out and in a good uh, good way like that worldwide. So absolutely, we're really excited. About that. And 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 yeah. Who will be in the band now? Like it's obviously you on vocals, Eric on 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 bass, and Andy is back on guitar I, too. Uh, no, actually, uh, Andy Andy's not going to be able to to uh, do the reunion with us this okay. time out. He has some uh, commitments, you know, with with his career and everything that he does. Uh, however, um, on drums we have uh, Steve Arnold, who's also okay. been been sort of my right-hand drummer for, for years and years here in many bands and, and some of the tributes that we do as well. Uh, he actually, he's the drummer from the uh, Banshee on the Loose LP as well, or uh, EP, sorry. So yeah, really great monster drummer there coming in. On one of the guitars is our old friend that uh, actually played in the cover band version of Service before we started doing original stuff that's a really good monster guitar player, uh, Tony Merritt. And also on the other guitar will be our good friend and uh, guitar player from the uh, cover band version of Service, Bruce Drake. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, and some fans uh, probably have seen uh, Bruce in some of the clips that are on YouTube of, of us uh, from like 84, I think it's Atlantic Beach, uh, 
come rock the night, that kind of thing. Right. And I'm playing drums actually back then. Wow. And, and okay. Bruce is Bruce's on guitar on that. So yeah, uh, but yeah, it's it's going to be a, a real cool lineup, and we kind of wanted to try to keep it in in the family, so to speak. Sure. You know? Well, it sounds like you and, are. Definitely. And it was really really cool that those guys could come back in. Um, uh, even though they re- didn't have anything to do with the the first album and everything, but they were really good players, and th- it's really cool that those guys could come in now and and be part of, part of this. Cool. And yeah. uh, you know, who knows uh, down the road whether there might be new music or or whatever like that. Right now, we're just taking things uh, one little step at a time. And, right on. Well, that and, was uh, going to be one of my questions. Yeah. yeah, that was one of my questions. Yeah. Could there be new music down the road? It sounds like that's a possibility. Yeah, that, go, going that back, would be great. Yeah. yeah, going back, back into the back, back in the day, as we say, to the 1980s, mm-hmm. um, when you guys yeah. were putting out records, I wanted to ask you about where you fit in because you know we look at Too Late to Pray, 1986, and you think about what was going on in in yeah. metal at that time and a lot of the bands even you know maiden and you know with wasted years and an ozzy with uh you know ultimate sin some of the more harder metal bands in some ways were going maybe just a little bit more commercial um right you uh, had the thrash stuff starting to really blow up right around right. that time period but you guys really you didn't fit into the the what I would call commercial pop metal sound and you weren't oh no yeah. you weren't really a straight ahead thrash metal band either you were more right, a little more melodic or, yeah. or thrash yeah what what we call and melodic metal influence, nowadays you know yeah. and, and and I think a lot of that is is from you know uh Early and classic Priest, early and classic Scorpions, Saxon for sure, Maiden of course. There's a lot of Thin Lizzy in there, and Deep Purple, and and bands like UFO too, definitely intertwined in some of the influence in that. So you get a lot of melodic influence, and you get a lot of uh, the hard edge stuff too. But yeah, stuff like Saxon and Riot, and and that was really uh, you know that was really uh, you know tripping our chain so to speak back then so we really wanted to write some really fast cool stuff like that you know and and obviously yeah the the thrash and, and maiden and and that stuff that was going on was very influential on eric's writing eric was the main songwriter in, in most of all of Cerebus. i didn't really start writing some of the songs until uh later on into uh like um regression regression air and uh uh, it was interesting back then, you know, we had so many songs back then. We would do so many, uh, we'd do a lot of stuff live that never, never made it on, onto record and stuff like that. You know, we just wow. kept, kept writing and kept intertwining the songs into, into the live set just because we wanted to do them and, 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 you know, introduce them that way. But yeah, um, back then, um, we were definitely, definitely influenced by that early new, uh, new album, uh, movement stuff for sure um you know crocus that kind of stuff sax and all that as i mentioned you know all those all those bands were very influential influential on eric's writing for sure absolutely and just the overall sound and oh absolutely i one thing i hope when when the stuff gets re-released that they don't 
go overboard with like doing any remastering or anything because I personally I just oh, love, no, no, love no. that it, raw it, sound that you guys had you know and I hope that's yeah, preserved that, on this yeah definitely release. everything is is definitely just widened up and you know turned up a little bit you know uh, but but left exactly as as it was and uh, because yeah that's definitely what the you know any uh, any of the fans that want to that want to hear that kind of stuff back then you know they or any of the collectors of uh, the service stuff uh up to now uh that's what they wanted is that old that that old style and the the, the actual original uh you know if it sounds wrong it sounds like a garage demo then yeah that's what they want yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and i and i get that you know it's it's authentic like that yeah. Cool. And, and you guys obviously of, uh, you had a big following in, in in the north carolina area but there were Truly, there were fans all yeah. over the world, right? Yeah, I would say I would say more, uh, more or less, all over the world than 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 even in North Carolina and sort of and and North Carolina area and this area sort of uh, sort of followed along, you know, when when everything else started to happen, and um, so yeah, it but it it was it, it still uh, blows our minds that that people know who it, who we are from there you know it's been so long and we never really uh, made a, a huge mark uh so to speak you know before we kind of started started drifting back into our, our our next releases after too late to pray was was sort of more a little more underground harder to find you had to get them at our live right. shows that kind of thing uh, by mail and uh so yeah everything kind of we kind of went back into the underground as far as being uh, available to a lot of fans or to for them to find us after now, that. It was and too so, late uh, to pray. Was that released on like an independent label? Yeah, originally? a new Renaissance originally? label out of yeah. out of uh, California. Okay. And uh yeah, they were very instrumental in getting us a lot of uh, really good press and really good interviews and uh radio airplay over Europe and everything as well and uh yeah, that's uh, without that opportunity, uh, we probably, you know, it had been a long, hard road to to uh, for us to get uh, that kind of recognition. Uh, we we got some, you know, incredible press. Uh, as I remember back in the day, you know, we're we're writing the magazines with a, you know, they're doing us. They're doing. Uh, there's one in, in, in particular. I remember like Hit Parader, and we were in. They were interviewing uh, us. For too late to pray, and also uh, we're right in the middle of uh, Queen's Rite with Rage for Order, and, wow. and then Iron Maidens somewhere in time, and we're like, wow, yeah. that's great company to be <laughs> in on that one. It, it just blew our minds of the kind of press that they could get us, and it really that really helped uh, get the word out and get the initial, you know, surge of of knowledge about our band. Right on. And, um, you know, uh, I've, I've, I've always I've always said this in, in most uh, interviews that if we would have um, maybe sought out more diligently uh, real management and stuff at that time, you know, to get us, uh, you know, overseas where we were uh, really happening, uh, we may still had we may have could have went you know a lot farther right. with with service, uh, even over in, in European markets and, and such. But again, you know, this was way before, you know, just Google searching and finding yep. and emailing or anything like that. You're literally, you know, on the, on, on the phone. And <laughs> if you have a phone number, 
if you yeah. can find a phone yeah. number. Yeah. <laughs> You're literally doing that and writing letters back then. So, yeah, it's just way before that, you know, the admin of the Internet, which, which uh, oh, yeah, I mean, you know, right on. That's, that's helped bands considerably. Actually, yeah, it helps get the word know. out, definitely. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, well, listen, Scott, it's been great talking with you tonight on Talking Metal, and we're going to... Uh, turn the, the listeners on to some some of your your music from back in the day tonight. And is there any right. place online that they can check you out? Is there a Facebook page, a website, anything like that? Uh, yeah, our our official service Facebook page is on uh, Facebook at at Service Official, and also uh, look us up at uh, Heaven and Hell Records on Facebook and at HeavenHellRecords.com. dot com and. Uh, the new re-releases should be out uh, within the next couple months. Look for those. Excellent. Uh, we'll be advertising immediately all over, you know, uh, social media and stuff like that. So, yeah, keep your ear to the ground about service because, uh, yeah, we're ready to we're ready to do some special things this time around. I think. Great, ladies and gentlemen, Scott Board of Cerebus here on Talking Metal. We'll have. All those links Scott just mentioned uh, posted in today's show notes on TalkingMetal.com. Scott, thanks so much. Thank you, buddy. Thank you for having me. You bet. Take care. All right. Thank you.
a little Cerebus on Talking Metal. That's going way back to the 1980s. Uh, that song right there called Taking Your Chances. And I'm really looking forward to these these re-releases by this band. I'll definitely be picking them up and supporting Cerebus. Uh, Scott, pleasure meeting you if you're listening to this. Please keep in touch. Get up here to the, the uh, New Jersey or New York City area and play a gig for us. I'll be there for sure. All righty. On that note, we're going to soon get into more heavy metal memories with Carl Alvarez from the Inside Metal Documentary series. If you haven't seen the series, definitely check it out. I'll have it linked through today's show notes. It's on Amazon Prime. You can stream it if you do Amazon Prime, which is a great way to watch uh, video content, by the way. I've been watching, actually, uh, Transplant. Uh, no, what is it called? Fucking not Transplant. Transparent. Transparent. I'm like four episodes into that. It's with the uh, the guy, I forget his name, from... Uh, Arrested Development, playing a dad who is a cross-dresser. So it's 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 interesting. It's it's a good show. Um, but anyways, Amazon Prime also offering Inside Metal, the documentary series that Carl Alvarez is a producer on. Cool. So having said that, let's check out one of my favorite guitar players. He does what in some ways has sort of become the Talking Metal theme song. You know, I open most shows with a song called Which Way to Radio Land by the Sean Baker Orchestra, but which is ugh, just a killer song. I never get sick of that song. been playing it on hundreds and hundreds of episodes, and I still love listening to it. But, you know, the guy, Sean Baker and his orchestra, he does have other awesome music, and I highly recommend you go check some of it out. Like, for example, this song, which is a great, great listen. It's off the Game On record, and it's called Shrapnel in Your Ear here on Talking Metal. Uh, And after this, we're going to talk with my friend Carl Alvarez from the Inside Metal documentary series, and we're going to talk about Ozzy and Jakey Lee and, uh, you know, Metallica, all sorts of fun stuff. So stay tuned for that. And right now, a little... Music by the Sean Baker Orchestra. Shrapnel in Your Ear is the name of this song. Go buy it on iTunes. All right, guys.
joining us once again, our friend Carl Alvarez from the Inside Metal documentary series, which I watched on Amazon Prime. Um, and you can buy the DVD. We'll have the links up in today's show notes on Talking Metal for that. And, and Carl, you guys are getting it uh, actually on TV, it sounds like, on Access, right? Yeah, they've uh, they ran it before Christmas. Really? Uh, wow, that's their, that's, that's really incredible. You guys scored that. Wow, congratulations! Yeah, that that really worked out good for us. Um, they are going to be running some of the future episodes, kind of more in a format for their. Um, I, I I don't know how it's going to all play out in terms of when they'll air it, but uh, that's the plan. They'll be airing uh, different episodes uh, throughout this year. So wow. Yeah, Axis TV is a TV station. If you guys don't know, it's owned by some pretty big heavyweight guys, uh, Mark Cuban and um, who's the guy from American Idol? Uh, uh, Simon Cowell? No, no, the other guy, the, the guy with the microphone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ryan Seacrest and Mark Cuban are. Uh, the owners of Access TV and Inside Metal, the documentary that Carl produced, is it sounds like getting some airtime on Access TV. So, yeah, cool. Awesome. And, Carl, we were talking last time you were on about some of our early hard rock and heavy metal memories. And, you know, I had mentioned to you that I saw um, Ozzy for the first time on that that Ultimate Sin tour, and I wanted to talk a little bit about what I I wit- witnessed at that concert. But but first, you had you had actually uh, you saw Ozzy early on with Randy. Uh, then I know you told me you did see him on the the Ultimate Sin tour with uh, Metallica opening at the Long Beach Arena. But did you see him any time in in between then? What, like, did you see him on the Bark at the Moon tour? I missed Bark at the Moon. Uh, they played at Long Beach Arena, April of '84. Rat opened the show. I kind of missed that for right. whatever reason. Don't know why, but uh, okay. just missed it. But uh, oh, of course, uh, Us Festival, which I missed that too, which was uh, Jakey Lee's. I oh, guess, debut, yeah, debut of yeah. sorts, yeah. Yeah. Um, but then you did see them when they came to Long Beach Arena in. Uh, I guess it was. June of 86 probably right and there was yeah you you not only saw the Metallica and Ozzy play that night but you you actually had some face-to-face uh encounters with various people if I understand uh your your email that you sent me correctly Who, who'd you run into that night well as you said it was June of 86 and quite a kind of a interesting time because that was kind of like the end of the school year it was like the first concert of the summer if you will big concert right. and uh ozzy and metallica were playing they had already played the previous night and um we had a radio station that just started up called knac which is kind of the first were well, one of a kind commercial hard rock stations right and they were pumping it out of long beach so they had a real kind of community really happening with that radio station. So we go to that show and that's all you hear, you know, just driving up in the parking lot. Caney C is just promoting the show. They're there in full force. Metallica is really, a, a lot of people are going to see Metallica as opposed to the other way around. Although people are Aussie fans too. Um, 
I should I should also mention prior to this, a friend of mine who I went with was Cosmo Bloom, who was a DJ at the, one of the college stations, and he right. happened to score an interview with Lars, probably in April, I guess, uh, when Lars was kind of doing the, the 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 press junket with uh, a lot of the college radio stations, and Cosmo was like a, he had an English accent, he was from England and stuff, but he was going to school out where I lived at the University of Redland. So he's one of the metal DJs at the station, the only metal DJ, actually. So he scored this interview, and we had already had tickets for the show, so I was just kind of egging him on, hey, ask Lars for passes, you know. So at the very end of the interview, he asked him uh, for passes, and he says, oh, just talk to the, you know, the Electra college rep, and they'll get you squared away. So, right. so yeah, we had no idea we were going to get passes until we rolled up, and there they were, so... We got passes and uh, we were in basically. So we got there and right, I think right when we got there, Metallica had just started. They were playing Welcome Home Sanitarium. I met it, remember it vividly just because we were trying to hunt for our seat at that time, throwing our passes on and and just watching the show. And it, it was pretty incredible just because everybody was there for Metallica. You could just feel it, the right. energy. And just seeing Cliff was kind of a trip. <laughs> Here's another guy. As I mentioned, Ang- Angus Young the last time, and seeing Cliff this time. He so didn't, much energy. He didn't, yeah. He didn't, yeah, exactly. He didn't move. I mean, he moved the whole time we were watching him, and it was just incredible. But um, just just seeing it, it was it was pretty cool. Uh, they had a pretty short set, maybe 50 minutes. We probably saw 45 minutes of it. And yeah, it was it was pretty intense. So the encounters that night. Um, so we have our passes. This is the first time. Well, this is my second time. I kind of had passes to a show. But the way the the lay of the land of this place was, maybe it hold like seven to eight thousand, maybe ten thousand people, I guess. And it was really weird that night. Um, there there was a gap between the the the, the bleachers and the the balcony. And I guess okay. some kid tried to go down, you know, wherever everybody started trying to go down to get closer that were in the upper seats. Right. Well, he missed a step and fell basically to his death that oh night. God. So this is kind of like a, I don't know, it's kind of a, kind of a creepy moment, not knowing what had happened, and all the paramedics were there, right? And they were like cleaning up the mess. I think they actually held us from actually going back there until everything was kind of clear. And this but, is, uh, again, Long Beach Arena, the same place that, uh, I guess, a couple years earlier, Iron Maiden recorded Live After Death there, right? Yes, exactly. It was. It's basically a very infamous place. All the all the hard rock bands rolled through there that were, it's kind of a, still considered a secondary market, but it's still, um, you know, Los Angeles considered as a the big market, too, and Long Beach is being south of, of L.A. Right. Um, so yeah, so we didn't really learn until later what had actually happened. We just kind of saw the melee of just all this commotion going on back there. Um, so we kind of make our way to the Metallica section. I don't know where Ozzy's area was, but this is kind of like this. It was kind of a corridor, and you go through, and it's basically it wasn't even like an open room. It was more like a hallway. But you knew Metallica's area was there, but they had the door closed. It was kind of cordoned off and stuff. But I remember um, we were just waiting there the whole time, kind of like, okay, when we're going to meet the guys in Metallica. And I don't know. I just got the feeling they weren't into like 
doing any sort of meet and greet. They kind of had their like little posse of people. I, I know the Armored Saint guys came there uh, and hung out. Dave Pritchard, Joey Vera, and Gonzo were there hanging out with the Metallica guys. But my friend Cosmo kind of got, you know, kind of got bored with like he knocked on the door and it was like kind of like. Oh, they're not ready yet to kind of you know you know hang out. So just give them time or whatever. He got tired and went back to his seat and said, "I'll just meet you over there." You know when Ozzy starts because I don't want to miss that. So I remember seeing Cliff come out and it was kind of a trip because he was kind of on his own. He was just you know he was going back to the hotel or whatever you know. And I mean he had this kind of like a hippie suede hat on and the bell bottoms. Which at and, the time, you know, I, you know, that that style came that came back into style kind of in the nineties, but in the mid eighties to walk around with like that hippie look, it that was not a cool look, you know, and I always thought that Cliff he just didn't give a shit. You know, he was he had to be I mean, Van Halen got shit from the press for wearing bell bottoms in 79 because bell bottoms were kind of on the way out you know at that time from what what was cool but you know here's cliff in 1986 still walking around in bell bottoms i mean i don't know if younger listeners can understand but that that was not a cool thing and that was that was (laughs) like a a fashion no-no in in 1986 but he didn't give a shit you know Oh yeah, you know, I, mean, I think that whole style when when I saw him walk, it it's kind of like, you know, everybody kind of has their own walk and he had like this kind of like saunter that when he walked it was like the bell bottoms and the whole thing kind of fit him, you know? It wasn't like, you know, they say, you know, you don't wear fashion or you you wear fashion, you don't you don't let fashion wear you. That's right. basically Cliff was Cliff's vibe was it. I mean, he was the whole deal, you know, and that was his thing, you know, and just, you know, seeing him face to face like that, it was, I, I kind of like, I, I appreciated it more later in life, but seeing it was kind of interesting to see that, you know, and just kind of his kind of motif as he walked by, you know, and I just saw him kind of kill the stage basically because um, Metallica sounded that night. So, um, so, kind of that's kind of like my metallica moment and i just kind of said well okay i'll just go back and see ozzy because he's already started by then and uh i remember the armor saint guys they must have went back to the hotel where you know metallica was hanging out or whatever because it seemed like the party was continuing it just wasn't with us but yeah (laughs) so i finally go back and we watched the whole metallica set i mean the whole ozzy set but actually during metallica set I remember seeing uh, David Glenn Isley of Jafria. Jif- he was kind of in our section and stuff. And I know he was probably watching Metallica and going, you know, whoa. You know, like, here's the new guard, basically. You know, Jafria was kind of part of the old guard, I guess. Not to be – that's kind of not fair to say. I mean, they were still putting out records. I think Silk and Steel was either coming out or had come out. Um, but you know, I, you kind of get the feeling like things are changing. Really, I mean, really, things were changing uh, when Metallica, when Master Puppets came out. So, um, so I kind of got bored. I saw Ozzy maybe for forty-five minutes, and I'm like, you know what? I'm curious. I'm going to go back to the backstage area. And when I had a Metallica pass, I didn't have an Ozzy pass, so it was kind of like. I think I snuck in at the right time before they stopped letting people with Metallica passes go back there. So I just hung out most of the time and just kind of people watched. I always like watching people. But 
I was lucky enough to stay back there and not go back because they wouldn't have let me back in. So I, I basically, it was like probably the tail end of the show, and and Jakey Jakey Lee's gear had broke broken down for really? some for some okay. reason. So he was having problems, uh, probably the tail end of the show, and switching between amps and. So he's there hanging out, and then I see Warren D. Martini roll up, and they're they're probably old friends, they're old San Diego buds, and they were both in Rad at one time. Right. And here they are. I'm just seeing these guys like like these rock gods. My favorite guitarists, you know, Jakey e. Lee and Warren D. Martini, just chum up and talk about guitars and what's going on with Jakey e. Lee's equipment and what's the problem and hope they figure it out type thing, you know? And, um, so did Warren it, come it, out on stage with, with Jake? No, or, this no. is kind of like after the show is over okay. and Jakey's, e. he's got his red high, uh, Chuck high tops. I remember that night. And I, I don't know. Warren just kind of came out of nowhere basically in this backstage area. So, uh, but no, Warren didn't. Warren didn't get up on stage or anything like that. So, well, that's, that's uh, amazing. I mean, you only, you would only get that type of stuff happening in in you know the Los Angeles area with people hanging out. You know, I, I saw that same tour probably uh, probably about fifteen to twenty days before you saw it, and I saw I was living in in Chicago, and they I lived in the suburbs, but they played a, a place called the Chicago Pavilion, which. From what I remember, was more located closer in towards the the city, and uh-huh. I went to that show, and uh, it was the same type of vibe where there were people there who were strictly Metallica fans. Now you have to remember, guys, that with the Ultimate Sin, Ozzy definitely had kind of gone a little more glamier. You know, his hair got blonder and hairsprayed and, you know, the span, you know, the spandex were out and stuff. So there were some people who didn't like Ozzy going that direction. And especially, you know, there, there were a lot of fans there who loved Metallica and Ozzy like I did. But there were definitely I specifically remember a hand, not a lot, but some people leaving after Metallica was done and, you know, like saying, fuck Ozzy, you know, Metallica, you know, and stuff like that. So there was definitely, mm-hmm. even within the metal community, there was like so many different like clubs and, and you, you know, you couldn't like Cinderella and you were and overkill and Metallica and stuff. There were so many lines drawn i mean i i loved it all i you know went to see poison i went to see freaking you know slayer I, I, everything in between but um yeah there was there was so many people that that frowned on that and and even at a metallica ozzy show in 1986 uh, a line had been drawn among some of the fans um i i remember you know you mentioned jake having problems on uh with with his with his gear when i saw the concert in chicago jake was also having problems but the problems were uh, actually with his uh i guess his drinking or drugging or whatever because he was so fucked up he played perfectly but then Mm. he was he was so messed up that he um you know ended up uh falling over on stage and and i remember when they were playing the song the ultimate sin and it starts with that bass drum just boom 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 you know and and he wouldn't start the song and ozzy kept looking at him and he was getting pissed and 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 so there was definitely some issues with jake and then afterwards 
on the way home, we listened to the radio, and there was this late-night metal show called uh, Real Precious Metal. They called it RPM. And Metallica had, had gone to the studio and were actually in the studio by the time doing an interview by the time the the concert had ended and i specifically you know ozzy at the end the, the jake didn't finish the, the the show basically they cut the encore and he said sorry we have to cut the we have to cut the show jake hurt his back is what ozzy said and i remember the guys in metallica on rpm basically laughing at that on the radio saying that wasn't his back and implying that it was you know he was fucked up because of drugs or, or alcohol. So, yeah, so it was kind of interesting, but uh, great, wow. great memories of the show. And, and, you know, even though Jake was messed up, he still managed to play the show uh, really well when, you know, up until those last final songs. Uh, I remember he was leaning up against the amps, though. He wasn't really moving much. And, yeah, so, so that, that was that. And, um, again, Metallica definitely on the radio basically saying that you know hey ozzy lied jake didn't hurt his back he was he was <laughs> he was messed up so um and and the, the the crazy thing about that all is you know we're talking i saw him in may 1986 again at the chicago pavilion the ozzy metallica tour you saw him in june 1986 and I mean, you had your face-to-face running with Cliff, but it, it, and it's incredible to think that this young kid, really, you know, w- was dead, you know, mm-hmm. by the end of September. I think it was like September twenty-sixth, twenty-seventh, nineteen eighty-six, and that was it. That was it. Yes. And you know, there's a lot of people who feel like you look at those those first three Metallica records and and how they sounded, and and even. For Justice for All, I believe one of the songs Cliff Burton has a writing credit on. It, it, it's like they're they never, you know, they have a band that evolved to different musical plateaus and places in their career, but they never really got back to that sound they had with Cliff. And I think he was an extremely important part of Metallica's sound on those first three records. And and guided the band and in some ways you listen to master of puppets you know you you hear elements of progressive rock on there and we know for a fact that out of the bunch he was really the the one guy who was really truly into progressive rock like yes and genesis and stuff like that um so it is interesting you know and and what a just tragic tragic loss for heavy metal and and i mean what what could have been uh you know a, a metallica with with cliff post master of puppets yeah you know we were really that whole summer after that show and just kind of being there and backstage and kind of seeing the whole thing we were still on those fumes that whole summer like that that was our experience really and then september having hearing him die uh, and hearing about it so tragically, you know, you, you would probably confer with this as well. It wasn't like a news item. It was a news item, but it was right. more of a footnote. But for us, it was headline stuff. Yeah. We 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 all kind of mourned the whole thing. It, it was a big deal when he, when Cliff died. So yeah. it was it was a shock. It was a real shock, you know. Complete shock and and I remember just being so bummed out and also so 
happy that as like a 16 year old kid, I, I was able to see them with Cliff because I, I think, you know, at that point, you know, Metallica went on to really conquer the world and become one of the biggest bands, not just metal bands, one of the biggest rock bands of all time. And you could kind of sense that there was something about really special about this band, even back in those days. You know, they they just weren't a thrash band. They just weren't a metal band. They were something more, they were something bigger than that. And I, I tell you, you know, there's there's many rock stars who had died, and and I, you know, wish like, oh, I wish I would have seen them when when he was alive. And I, but I'm so proud when I look back over our, the hundreds of concerts I went to in my life that I did get to witness Metallica with with Cliff Burton because I think that those four guys on stage together were really something special, and in the studio together. So, on that note, let's get into some music. Let's go with some Ozzy. This is a song which you will, I can guarantee, never hear Ozzy play again live, but he did play it at most shows on that Metallica Ozzy tour in 1986. This is Secret Loser off the Ultimate Sin record.
a little Ozzy Osbourne off the Ultimate Sin record. Were you a fan of that record, Carl? Uh, I liked it just because I was a big guitar guy and Jakey Lee was pretty much a monster on that. The production was a step up from Bark at the Moon. Nevison really came in there and kind of dialed in the kind of little, little more of an edge than what Bark at the yeah, Moon had. I, Although I Bark agree. Bark at the Moon did that. Yeah, so I liked it for that that reason alone. So yeah, I, I'm a real big fan of both of those Jakey Lee records. Uh, I, th- I think they, in the history of of Ozzy's stuff, a lot of times they get overlooked a little bit in, in today's times. You know, we had Randy, who just I mean, nothing compares to those two records. And Zach has become such an iconic figure, and you know, people associate him with with Ozzy and you know the the Jake records may be a little bit more of a commercial edge in some ways but really great stuff I mean you look at Bark at the Moon you know and, and sure there was you know a few songs that were maybe heavy on the keyboard you know but So Tired was kind of a ballad that really wasn't that great but you look I mean Bark at the Moon obviously the title track Rock and Roll Rebel um, Waiting for Darkness, a, a song on that that album that I just think is one of Ozzy's greatest. A uh, lot of great stuff off of the, that that record, and then Ultimate Sin. I I just played the hell out of that record. I mean, Killer of Giants, Fool Like You, a song that I don't believe Ozzy ever played live. If he did, it was only a handful of times. A great great song. Um, of, of course, uh, Shot in the Dark. Uh, the title track, a lot of secret loser, a lot of great stuff off of both those records. It was a, it was a good listen. I remember that record very well, just like you are recalling it. <laughs> cool. Well, let's get into a little Metallica right now off of the Master of Puppets record. Uh, Master of Puppets. What should we play, Carl? Any any favorites off that record? Uh, I like Master of Puppets. I remember my. F- at the radio station we got the he got the promo uh, 12 inch of it and it cut off at that middle part and that was just so horrid to do we, I, that's the one thing that kind of stands out to me who would do this right can't put the whole thing on there yeah so anyway cool. <laughs> here we go little Master of Puppets by Metallica
What you just heard was a little Metallica here on Talking Metal. Carl Alvarez of the Inside Metal documentary series is joining us here to share memories. And let's uh, let's hit another memory before we we uh, sign off here tonight, Carl. The David Lee Roth post Van Halen had some what I, I consider just great stuff. I remember seeing him at the Rosemont Horizon in the Chicago suburbs on the Eatem and Smile tour and sold out. Amazing, amazing night. Just on fire one of my favorite concerts of all time uh also caught him i think by uh, it moved around a lot as a kid but but i think when he came around with skyscraper i saw him actually in philly at the at the spectrum um where you saw you saw david lee roth on uh the skyscraper tour right i saw uh eat him and smile you just saw that one too okay that was the second night saturday night uh two nights did two nights at the Forum, Friday wow. and Saturday, uh, Cinderella opening. Yes. Uh, we, yes. Went on, we went on a whim, basically. Like, okay, we hope we can get tickets and stuff. And at the time, I was friends with uh, Sue Tropio, who we were uh, – um, she she works for Metallica's management. But back then, we were buds, you know. We'd always go to concerts together and stuff, and we went to school together. So uh, her and I and a couple other friends, we went to see David Lee Ralph. We, she's a big guitarist. That's why we bonded her and I, you know, because she's a big Michael Schenker fan, and sure. uh, of course Steve Vai and John Sykes. She loved John Sykes, you know. So yes. we were always into that and talking about guitarists and stuff. So we wanted to see Steve Vai in action. So saw that show, but the Skyscraper tour uh, that was in '88 at the Forum, right. uh, June, I believe. Um, Poison opened up the show. Yes, uh, and. This is the time when uh, Steve I had his heart guitar. <laughs> yes. He was big playing heart that. guitar. And David Lee Roth got on a surfboard. Do you remember that? And surfed out over the audience. Yeah. I, I, I remember people were mentioning that to me. I, I may have missed that, but that's probably when it was and when he did that. Um, oh, my other David Lee Roth memory is he shot the video for Yankee Rose at, at the Sam, in San Bernardino at that uh, Orange Pavilion. So oh, wow. okay. we're in the audience, but you, we're not to see. But <laughs> yeah. I, I was at that video shoot too, oh, talking wow. about and stuff. So, uh, but Slash, uh, jumping ahead of gear, um, uh, Slash was in our section. You said you go back to the skyscraper tour, right? Yeah, I'm jumping all over the place. Sorry, guys. No, that's fine. <laughs> I always think the David Lee Roth experience is just everything. You know, I mean, it's just. <laughs> David Lee Roth, it, it's it's a big show, you know. He's just, just a showman, you know. And it's always awesome to see David Lee Roth. I mean, regardless, you know. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, Slash Slash came. Um, Slash was there. I don't know if with a business associator or just the pal of his, but he had his uh, he had his hat on, kind of cognito, but it kind of wasn't working <laughs> right for him. But um, yeah, so he was in our section. Not much more I could really say. I, I didn't really feel like the need to like go up and introduce myself. It just didn't, you know. Some situations they don't just kind of they, they don't call for that. I don't know what that is, but it just, you know. I think at that time too, uh, Guns N' Roses were slated to be on that Iron Maiden tour, and that had just happened maybe like a month before that. Okay. But I think at that time. Um, they got kicked off the tour or something. They had a dispute with their management, with their management. I don't know what was going on. I was really looking forward to Guns N' Roses 
opening up for Iron Maiden like a month earlier. I think it was in April or May. But then L.A. Guns uh, opened up the show. So I think that left Guns N' Roses. I don't think they were doing anything at that time. I don't know if they were touring. So I guess it gave Slash an opportunity to kind of hang out and right. <laughs> show at the forum. So. And was so he into my- it? Was he like jumping up and down? Or was he kind of just sitting, sitting back? He's just hanging back, being cool, being yeah. Slash. You know? right. <laughs> yeah. It is interesting. You know, you may- this is kind of slightly off topic but we were talking a lot about jakey lee uh and i recently um i guess it was last year 2016 my wife and i flew out to las vegas for what was you know technically the first guns and roses show if you don't count the the uh the warm-up show they did in uh la at the uh what club was that the troubadour or I don't know. Oh yeah, the Troubadour. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They, so the, the the first reunion show was a warm up show at the Troubadour. the 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 first big arena show was the opening night of this uh, T Mobile Arena in Las Vegas in 2016. So my wife and I flew out for that, and I looked down. Um, we had really good seats up up close, but we were not on the floor. We were like on on the sides. So we were up, you know five, 10 feet higher than, than the floor, but right there. And I, I see this guy probably like 20 feet from me on the floor, just going crazy, like screaming and yelling and, and dancing every song and, you know, putting his beer cup in the air and just having a blast. And I'm like, I know that guy. I was like, where do I know him from? And I keep staring at him. And sure enough, Jakey Lee at the, at the uh, Guns N' Roses show, Go, awesome. going crazy, not not hanging back, not acting like Mister Cool Guy, literally fist pumping, screaming and yelling, and uh, acting like a true fan at the Guns N' Roses show with a bunch of his his friends, a couple girls, and I think another guy with him. So uh, interesting, interesting, but yeah, yeah, yeah. He lives out in Vegas, so you know, it makes sense. So yeah, yeah, definitely. Cool. Well, hey, Carl, it's always great talking with you about our heavy metal memories. And I'd, uh, let's do it again. Let's keep going. I, you, we have a lot of other memories to share. And uh, it's just great to kind of talk through them and relive them. And I know the listeners are enjoying it. So let's, uh, let's wrap things up tonight and have you back sometime in the near future to continue the discussion. Cool? Sounds good, Mark. Cool. What do you want to play? Can we play some David Lee Roth solo? Yeah, to get us out? Road, man. Let's Tobacco Road, man. Tobacco Road, yeah. Uh, a cover. I don't know who did the original, but Tobacco Road off the Eat em and Smile record. Great, great track. Uh, Carl Alvarez, where can we connect with you online? Is there a Twitter account? Uh, yeah, I'm on. Uh, uh, my handle is that underscore Carl. Uh, you can also find me on the Inside Metal Twitter page, which is uh, Inside LA Metal. I don't know what the handle, but you can find it. And on Facebook as well, uh, Inside LA Metal. Um, and that's where you can kind of connect up with me. Cool. Cool. And how is the next edition of Inside Metal coming along? Uh, it's, it's definitely in the works and being, uh, worked out and, uh, we hope to have it out no later than fall could be as early as summer. It just depends how all the elements come together and stuff. So looking good though. Cool. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing that. 
Again, thank you, Carl. We'll catch up with you in a week or two and do another one of these. And this is David Lee Roth off the Eat em and Smile record. Billy Sheehan, Greg Bizanette, Steve Vai, of course, and David Lee Roth with Tobacco Road. Thanks, guys. use the Amazon links and check out the site. We're doing a thing that is uh, called On This Day. So if you go to the site, you'll see a little historic event that happened on this day, you know, many years before. Um, And sometimes it's, you know, Deep Purple played Alabama and here was their set list in 1975, you know, or Metal for Mothers, the the album that really spawned the new wave of British heavy metal scene was released on this day in, in 1980, you know, and stuff like that. So check it out. It's called On This Day, and it's a section on TalkingMetal.com. We also have a news section. There is the Mitch LaFon section where we post Mitch's great interviews that he does on uh, the Mitch LaFon podcast one-on-one with Mitch LaFon, and then there's the Talking Metal section where we post these podcasts, and sometimes we throw up uh, one of our Talking Metal jams in that section. Cool, guys. Thank you, and I appreciate you listening to this episode. Good night.